0: All right, so here we are. Peter gets this idea, right? Gives us this idea. This core verse that we've been walking through in this series is one verse found in 1 Peter 3, chapter 3, verse 15. In fact, gang, open your Bibles there, if you would. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter, chapter 3, looking at verse 15. If you grabbed an orange Bible on the way in, you will find it on page 829. This is the core verse of this series. This will be coming back each week and having a conversation about so here it is. It's on a screen. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. That's the foundational verse for this series. 1 Peter 3, 15. Always be prepared to give an answer for the, to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Now listen, if you have not underlined this verse in your Bible, do it right now. If you not highlighted it, this verse in your Bible app, do it right now. But just because we're finishing this series does not finish the responsibility we have to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. This is what it says. Always be prepared to give an answer. That's our defense. To everyone, that means everyone for the reason, that's our explanation, for the hope that you have. Now listen, when I read this, I think this verse is the cat's pajamas. I mean, come on. I mean, Peter is telling us that we don't have to defend or explain the entire Christian worldview. He is saying that we don't have to have all the answers, to all the questions that people may ask us. And let me just tell you, if you've had conversations, people have questions. People are saying, Peter is saying that we, defending our faith is different than we think. See, our defense sits in our hope, our personal hope, the hope that we have, and our hope sits in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, as we get into this, we're probably going to step into one of the hardest subjects when it comes to defending our faith, and that is answering the question, is God good? Is God good? Is he really good? good? With all the pain and the suffering, disease, and evil in the world, how can God be a good God? This is the most emotional charge, pushback question against Christianity there is. And most of the time, when people are asking this question, it's fueled by personal pain. We've all had conversations where that question was asked of you, or maybe you have asked it yourself. How can God be good? If God is good, why did this happen in my life? Why does it happen to me and not to someone else? If God is good, why does it happen to my brother? If God is good, why does it happen to my, my brother, my sister, my friend? People ask that all the time. In fact, I have asked that. If God is so good, why did he take my dad so suddenly without me having an opportunity to say goodbye? With all that's happening in the world, people say that I can't believe that God is good. So today what we're going to do, we're going to tackle a defense to the problem of pain and suffering and answer the question, is God good? Now, before we get into it today, I want to tell you who this this conversation, this message is not for. Who it's not for. I know this morning there are people in this room who who may be really struggling. Something as bad as going on in your life right now, or you're walking through something in your recent past, and inside of you, you you are fighting through the pain. And you might be even questioning your faith, or even if God loves you. If that's you here with us this morning, I want to share with you this conversation is not for you. Because as we walk, through this, we walk through this and give some framework to the issue, we will not be diving into an in-depth explanation to all the questions you may have. Because there's no way I can answer them all this morning. See, today's conversation is really targeted to those, where, to those who use people who use pain and suffering as a smokescreen to not believing. It, where they, they'll say things like, I don't believe in, believe God is good because all the bad things that are happening in the world. They'll throw questions at us. If, if God is good, then explain the evil, the pain, and the suffering. You name it, put at the end of it, you could, they could ask that question. They'll say, if God is good, then explain blank. If God is good, explain blank. And they'll put whatever they want in there to discount what we believe in the faith that we have. And it's a really easy and quick way to discount God and avoid talking about him. And that's why we're having this conversation. It's important for us to have a response when we run into these situations in our lives. The truth is, friends, humanity has been asking these questions and thinking through them and writing about them for generations and generations and generations. These things that we're asking that is God good is not new by any means. So as we get into this morning, I want to give you one simple question you can use as a defense and then give you some background to help you walk through it. Are you with me? All right, so here's a question. If you could, would you remove everything bad from the world right now? That's your question. If you could, would you remove everything bad from the world right now? If you had a button that was before you, and all you had to do is push it, and everything bad in the world would disappear and be gone, would you push it? I know what takes place in this world, and it's am really hard to hear and reconcile in a life. I can't stand the hatred, the evil, and the murders. Man, this stuff kind of just turns my stomach, but if you could... Would you remove all bad, everything bad in the world right now? Ask them that question. And before they they get an opportunity to ask, follow it up. Now, before you answer, have you ever done anything bad? Ask it and just wait. If you could... Would you remove everything bad in the world right now? I give you a button. Would you do that? Now, before you answer, have you done anything bad in your life? Before you push that button, have you done anything bad? Have your children done anything bad? Has your parents done anything bad? Has your grandparents done anything bad? Now, church, I believe that everyone in this room and everyone we would ask this question of would hesitate. Their natural response is like, yeah, I'd remove something bad. But as soon as you ask them, have you done anything bad? They were just like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. If you could remove everything bad from this world right now, but wait. Have your friends, your families, your parents, your coworkers, have they ever done anything bad? We would hesitate. And in that moment, we hesitate. And in your hesitation, you would think, and they would think, they'd have a really good reason not to push that button. You with me? Think they'd be thinking, okay, what about my kids? What about my parents? What about my friends? What about my family, man? If I push this button, and they've done anything bad, man, they would be all gone. We would hesitate. And if you and me would hesitate, do we not think that God has a good reason to hesitate? That God would not push that button and remove everything bad? Do you think he has a good reason not to hesitate too? Because if we removed everything bad from this world, we would all be gone. Nobody would be here. Nobody. And here's the amazing truth that we need to grasp. The same reason why we would hesitate to push that button is the same reason that God waits. The reason God does not want to get rid of all the bad in the world is the same reason you and I don't want to get rid of everything bad. Because we would have to remove and destroy everyone we know and love, including ourselves. And just like we would hesitate to get rid of everything bad, God hesitates because he cares about every single one of you. Let's get into this. You have your Bibles open right now, the 1 Peter chapter 3. What I want you to do is flip to the 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, we're starting at verse 1. If you have a Bible, again, the orange Bibles, you'll find it on page 832. Just a couple pages to the right. Today, we're going to continue learning from the Apostle Peter. Today, is from his second letter. Peter is his disciple of Jesus, the one who denied knowing Jesus. Peter, who, who walked on water with Jesus. Peter, whose hope is rooted in the Jesus' resurrection. So we're going to continue this conversation with him and see why Peter, what Peter is saying, why God hesitates to push the button. So let's look at this. 2 Peter, Peter chapter 3, verse 1. He says, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past about the holy prophets and the command given by the Lord our Savior through the, your, your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last day scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, "Where is this coming that He promised?" Ever since your ancestors died, everything goes on as it did since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forgot that long ago by God's word, the heavens came down into being and the earth was formed out of the water and by the water. And by these waters, also the world at that time was deluged deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire but be, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not, but do not forget this one thing, my dear friends, with the Lord is, is a, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. Now the Lord is not slow, verse nine, in keeping his promise. We're gonna come back to that part. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Let's stop right there. In other words, the very thing that you would like to see happen, God would like to see happen. You want all the evil and the hatred and, and everything bad gone, so doesn't God. He is disturbed by the evil that's in the world. He is heartbroken by the things that are taking place. Every question that you have or every question that's asked of you is not something new to God. We don't bring something to him and it's like, oh, newsflash, God, just in case you didn't know. Let me just tell you something that you may not have heard. I watched the news today and this is what I saw. Did you pay attention when I was taking my, no, there is nothing that he doesn't see. He is a sovereign God, full control. And when he sees what's taking place in his creation, man, he feels and knows the experiences are pain. But the reason he hesitates The reason he doesn't push that button and take out all the bad is because he cares and loves his creation. He cares and loves you and me. He is patient and doesn't destroy everything because his desire is for everyone to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's it. That's why he doesn't push the button. That's why he doesn't remove all the bad from the world. He waits. He waits because there's people who who he desires to come to know him. He waits because he desires there's people around you in your life that he desires to know him and surrender their lives to him. He cares for all his creation. Here's the thing when it comes to us that we a reality for you, we need to understand. When it comes to the bad in the world, you and I are a little bit hypocritical. We're a little bit hypocritical when it comes to the bad in the world. We want it all gone, but we want it all gone on our own terms. See, when it comes to bad, we judge others by their actions. When it comes to the bad, we judge others by their actions. But when it comes to the bad in our own lives, we judge ourselves by our intentions. Right? Come on, we look at them and say, we look at what they're doing say, okay, I can't believe those people do those things off with their heads. But when it comes to our own lives or someone we know and love and care for, when they do something bad, it's a different story. I mean, come on, Rich. They, didn't, they really didn't intend to do that. They really didn't intend to do that bad. I mean, they're really a good person. We judge differently when it comes to other people and they're bad. Let's have some fun with this. Sometimes, sometimes, um, When you come to hard subjects or conversations like this, uh, having some fun kind of removes the anxiousness of the situation. Because when it comes to doing bad, you and I want something in life. When we see someone do something bad, we want to grab a can of justice. All right? We want to walk around life with justice. So when we see people mistreat children, we want to spray them off with you. Right? When we see people who are liars, off with you. You steal, you're done. Right? We want to we have we see injustice, we want to step into this and throw out our own judgment like, "Oh, you're done." Those of you who work for the IRS who don't pay your taxes. Right? We want justice, and we're really good at going around with our can of justice, spraying people down, wanting to get out of this world. Ding, 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 and ding, ding, ding. You're done, right? I mean, that's, that's what we do, but this is not all we want, friends. We don't just want our justice can. There's another can we need to carry around. We want the bad can. Now we have our justice, and now we want to take care of those people who are doing bad. Now, let me just tell you, justice smells really good on this side. Come on. And so we see these things, and when people do bad, and they're going on those people run you off the road, then they give you some hand gesture along the way, you're bad. You sell drugs, you're bad. You mess with kids, you're bad, double bad. Sex trafficking? All gone. We want justice for the injustice and we want to take out the bad. This is what we want to carry in our lives. But here's the thing we want to hold them. I want to hold these cans. I don't want you to hold these cans. Because if you figure out I've done something bad, you're going to spray me down. Bye-bye, Rich. Right? We want to hold these cans. I'm going to hold on these cans because I don't want you to spray me down. I want to be judge, jury, and executioner, if you know what I'm saying. But there's someone else that we don't want to hold these cans. We don't want them to have control of these babies in our lives, and that is God. Because if God had these in his hands, we would all be gone. This to me a favor. If you've ever done anything unjust, raise your hand. Good, okay, put your hand down. That was just a warm-up. <laughs> if you've ever done anything bad, Raise your hand. Those of you who are not raising your hand, let's keep those hands up. Look around the room, friends. We would need a couple of cases of these bad boys. You're done, you're done, all gone, all gone, all gone, all gone. <laughs> it smells beautiful. I don't even know what I picked, but I love it. Friends, here's the truth. God does hold these cans. We might not like it, we may not want it, but God holds these cans. And I'm so thankful that he does, not you. The reason God doesn't break out an earth-sized can of justice and bad is because, and spray us down, is because he loves us. He loves you. He loves the people that we want to get rid of. And he desires for them to come and know him as Lord and Savior and surrender life to Jesus, spend eternity with him. Does God have the power? Absolutely. Does he have the authority to spray us all down? Absolutely. Does he have every reason to? Yes, absolutely. You all just raised your hands. Reeled you right into that one. Why, God? Why wouldn't he do this? Why wouldn't he just pull out the cans? See, he sees everything. He sees all the trash that takes place in his creation. And it breaks his heart. He doesn't leash a big can of destruction on the world Yet, because of your families, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your classmates need to experience the love of Jesus for themselves. And we look at this and we say, God, this is what God would say to us. The reason I don't. The reason I don't take everything out right here, right now, is because I desire for people to come to know me. I love them that much. Some fun of understanding the heart of God. And as followers of Jesus, this is what we need to know. This is what we understand. This is where this whole thing comes from, why we we can be okay with this. We may not just love this idea, but we've been okay with it. It's very this. The world we live in, the world we live in right now, is not what it was originally created. And is not the final version. The world we live in right now, it was not the way it was originally created. It is not the final version. See, when God created everything, everything from nothing, man, he from the beginning put all things together. He said, look at this, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. He says, God saw all that he made, and he said, it was very good. It was very good. Everything was perfect. Everything was perfect. But mankind turned their back on God, and sin entered the world and destroying God's creation. It's no, you can look around, you, word, we know it's not perfection. We can look around in our friends' lives and understand it's not perfection. We can just see the weather and understand it's not perfection, right? We can see that. It's not how God created it, but it's also not what it's going to be in the final version. This, what we're looking at, what we're living is not the final version. This is not the way it's going to be for all eternity, We just read verse 7, 2 Peter chapter 3, look on the screen. It says, by the same word, the word of God presents the heavens and the earth are reserved for fire. Reserved for fire, being kept in a day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. The world we live in is not what it's going to be for all eternity. It's not going to be like this forever. Forever. Jesus taught this through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament. John wrote about it in the book of John. John wrote about it in the book of Revelation. Read your Bibles, church. You will see this. One day, Jesus is coming back, and it's going to change everything. This old, this earth that we live in is going to be gone, and a new heaven and earth are going to be present, and we're going to be with God in paradise Forever. Look what Paul, another follower of Jesus, writes about this in Romans chapter 8. Look what he says. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 21, he says, I consider that the present sufferings, the present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. He's saying, let me stop right there, he's saying everything that we're dealing with now all the junk, all the pain, all the, all the suffering, all the disease, the hatred, the murder that we see, all this stuff that we're dealing fails in comparison to what we're going to have in Jesus Christ for all eternity. It goes on, it goes on, look at this. For in creation waits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For, for the creation was subject to frustration by, not by its own choice, but by the, by the will of the one who subjected it, in, subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage and to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Paul, who knew suffering, who knew what exactly it was, knew firsthand the evils in the world you know, long before you and I were even alive, The things that he went through for the kingdom of God, what he walked through was absolutely ridiculous. And he's telling us that one day this whole thing is going to be over. He's telling us that that Jesus is coming back and this world that we live in is going to be gone and the promise of the new world, new heaven, new earth, is going to be here. And then in that new world, there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more death, no more disease. But we, in the midst of what we're walking through, forget that this world is broken. We forget that it's doomed because of the sin. Ever since Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, the world has been in constant and consistent decay. I think it's awesome that he included creation in his conversation that our world waits. That our world waits. And if you actually continue reading on it, it says the world is groaning, as in child pain, birth pains. Now, I don't know what that feels like because I can't give birth to kids. But I know my wife has, and how much pain that she went through And it says it's groaning. I come on, come on, God, just bring us back to perfection. God, please just come back. Come back and just do it. God, we just bring it all, take it all away. That's what their creation is doing. That's why it's breaking down. We want this world to be perfect. We want this world to have no more pain and death and disease. We want to be rid of all the evil. Sin destroyed the plan. You know, and right now you may be sitting here this morning saying, Come on, Rich. This is not an emotionally satisfying answer for me because I'm walking through what I'm dealing with, and I would absolutely agree with you it's not there really isn't an emotionally satisfying answer to the pain and suffering in this world. Why? Because we never will be okay with pain. We will never be okay with suffering. We'll never be okay with cancer or people who who hurt children. We'll never be okay with any of that junk. Friends, pain and suffering are not evidence to the absence of God. Pain and suffering are proof the way we are living in this world that something's not right. It's not supposed to be this way. It should be different. We need it to be different. God, please come and make it right. We want it now. We wanted it yesterday. But God says, I'm holding on for a good purpose. I'm waiting for a reason. There are more people that need to know me as Lord and Savior. And If I were to push this button right now, so many would be lost forever. There will come a day Oh, there will. Scripture is real about this. There will come a day where He will push the button and everything, everything that He has promised will come to fruition. Friends, God is not slow in keeping His promise. As we understand slowness, He is patient with you, with me, and all those who need to have that relationship with him. He is patient with this world. Because he doesn't want them all to perish. And neither should we. We should desire for everyone to come to know him as Lord and Savior. Do our part. It's not going to make it easy. Never said it was going to be easy. Like I said, we'll never be okay with any of the junk that we deal with in this world. But I am so thankful, so thankful that God didn't push his button 22 years ago before I had the opportunity. I know if you're in this room you too should be so thankful that he didn't push the button before you had the opportunity. Again it doesn't make it easy for what we're dealing with and what we're walking through but it makes it visually understandable just as he waited for you he's waiting for others. So here's our Here's a summary for this entire series. You see it on the screen. If God removed all the evil from the world, he would have to begin with me. I believe that God entered this evil world through his son to forgive me. I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. Not only because the Bible says so, It's better than that. I believe because of our reliable witness. And that is why I have chosen to follow Jesus. Church, there's your your defense. Be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. And let's be a part Of what God wants to do and bring more and more to them around us the knowledge of our Savior. You with me? Yeah. Come on. Let's pray and close this down. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for waiting. Thank you for waiting for my friends and my family in front of me. Nothing, nothing in the evil in this world will ever be something we celebrate or like but it is something, God, we can tolerate because we know what you are doing. We trust in a sovereign God who is in full control. That there may be someone, many someones around us in life who needs to hear and experience the love of Jesus for themselves. Help us be prepared to have this conversation. Help us to do it with gentleness and respect. Help us be a light for you. Help us be ready to give the reason for the hope that we have. That you sent your son. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins. And then three days later, he rose from the grave. And in what your word says, we believe is the word of truth, live and active. It says that when we trust and believe and surrender our lives, we will be with you for all eternity. Right now, I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come forward. And I wanna challenge you who are in this room who do not have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ to come forward and talk to our prayer team. You don't have to know everything. Come up and when, when I say amen, come up and talk to them and say, like, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to just turn this thing around. I've been dealing a lot of evil and junk and hatred and disease, but I, I'm ready to give it all to, to Jesus. I understand it won't make it easy, but it'll make it possible. Don't walk out those doors. until you know that you have it right with the one who created you, the one who loves you the most and sent his son to die for you. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We serve you. In your son's name, I pray. Amen. God bless, church. Have an amazing week.